0: you are locked on hawks your daily atlanta hawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day hello friends welcome to episode 944 of the locked on hawks podcast i am your host brad roland it is Sunday evening as I record this, and today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20. You'll get 20% off your next order with Bilt Bar. So, it's the All-Star break. I am here to recap some news and also, more importantly, get into a two-part discussion with Brian Schroeder, a guest on this podcast previously about the NBA draft for the sake of clarity we record this on friday night nothing's really changed it's the nba draft some of these guys have played since then but uh, no major injuries nothing's really changed on that landscape so just being upfront, it was recorded friday night it's the all-star break we're free flowing here and it's a two-parter as i said before this is part one um please click over to part two as well when you're not listening to this one and uh fun is had by all with myself and brian before that though some news to get into that transpired in the last few days on the hawks front um, a lot of it came from a conversation that Travis Schlenk had with Sarah Spencer of the AJC and Chris Kirscher of the Athletic, um, I believe on Thursday or Friday of last week. Um, one injury note quickly here is that Chris Dunn is now projected to return by the end of March, at least according to Travis Schlenk. Um, as a recap, by the way, to that discussion and some stuff that we already knew before this, um, the Hawks did know, as I've said a number of times, that the Hawks, they, they knew that Dunn had an injury issue with his knee. Of course, he was still hurt. He was still recovering as as they signed him back in the fall. But as he was nearing the return, he had the, he developed the ankle issue. They required an arthroscopic surgery, and that's cut him out for quite some time now. And in mid February, the Hawks announced that Dunn had a PRP injection in the knee, and he continued to rehab from the ankle. Schlenk told Sarah and Chris that the ankle and knee issues are related, which is not uh, out of the ordinary. Uh, I think it's kind of implied, honestly, but never been said necessarily that clearly. That's still the case, though. But so obviously, the headliner here is that he can be back in the next three or four weeks by the end of March. That's still a ways off, but Dunn does fit a particular role for this Hawks team. He's the only guy that kind of does what he does as that, like, you know, furious on-ball defending guard at that position. So, obviously, he'll be helpful if he can return. Uh, I would keep expectations low at this point in time, but that's pretty good news, all things considered, that he could be pretty close. Um, also, DeAndre Hunter, the last time they updated him officially was in mid-February, but Schlenk has talked about him a few times, once on the radio, at least, and then again here with with Sarah and Chris. No official timeline still for Hunter. But originally, Schlenk was the one that said 7 to 10 weeks for Hunter. And uh, he did tell Sarah and Chris this week that a second PRP injection would not be happening. That would cut down the return date for Hunter about 7 to 10 days potentially. And the Hawks announced at 4 p.m. Eastern on Friday that Hunter, quote, has increased his rehab activities to include unrestricted weight room work and progressive court reloading, end quote. He'll be reviewed again in two weeks, so March 19th is the date, actually. That basically rules him out until at least then, I would say, a little bit longer beyond that. But that's about the seven-week mark or so since Schlenk's first comments. So keep that circle, but um, I think it sounds pretty good on Hunter. Obviously, another two or three weeks at least, I would imagine, for him to be out. But the Hawks need him back very obviously, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I already have plenty, and then we'll talk about it more in the future. Also, there was some John Collins stuff in the Travis Schlenk interview with the AJC and the Athletic. Some pretty standard, um, you know, GM speak from Travis about, um, you know, sort of res- respecting John's choice to enter, to enter free agency. They still view him as a part of the future, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. He did acknowledge that the team's been getting calls on Collins, that the Hawks are, quote, listen about, sorry, they call, the Hawks, quote, listen about all of our guys, end quote. A pretty standard answer there, and probably the one you'd get for most guys. If it was Troy Young, that probably wouldn't be the answer that he gave, <clears throat> but at the same time, Collins, they're going to listen. That's something I've said a number of times. Also, He did say pretty plainly and candidly, and I'm quoting here, we're going to have the opportunity to match any offer he gets, end quote. Now, that's not out of the ordinary, but the last part of this is a little bit interesting. And Schlenk said, and I quote again, I don't see a restrictive free agency situation where we would just let him walk for nothing, end quote. Now, that's good news for the Hawks, because as I've said a number of times, the worst case scenario for John, in my view, is letting him go for nothing. I would rather give John Collins the max as the Hawks and use him as a trade asset later on than let him go for nothing. That's just me. But, um, I, so I think, I've said this before, I'll say it again. As long as he's healthy and productive from now until the end of the season, the worst case scenario is him leaving for nothing. So, I do wonder if the player Association might say something about this because teams are not allowed to be this candid about, about match rights. He could wiggle out of this by saying... That he, he said, I don't, I don't see a situation where we let him walk for nothing. He didn't just say flat out we'll match any offer because you're not allowed to say that. Um, at the same time, this is good news, I think, for the Hawks. And uh, there you go. And, you know, again, there's some interesting stuff. You would definitely want to read the piece uh, pieces from the AJC and the Athletic. But um, nothing incredibly revelatory there from Schlenk on Collins. And that comes after, actually, a report on Thursday afternoon from Sham Sharania. Uh, again, nothing nothing surprising here either, but he reported that Minnesota Timberwolves have shown interest in power forwards around the league, including John Collins and Orlando's Aaron Gordon. He reported that, quote, both players have significant asking prices in the marketplace, end quote. That was it on Collins. The rest of it was about Gordon and how the Wolves and the Magic have had substantive, substantive com- conversations about Gordon, but nothing else on Collins. So it was basically just Minnesota might want John Collins. That was the entire report from Shams. So, Not a surprise. Minnesota is a team that's not very good. They have a bad power forward situation, so you would certainly want John Collins. Now, there was one more report from a Minnesota-based person kind of citing that Collins and his team might want to go to Minnesota. Um, Nothing, like, incredibly firm there on that. I would just say this. Um, That wouldn't be a surprise to me because, not that John wants out of Atlanta, but if, if you look at it from the player's point of view, I know Minnesota's bad, but if you're a, a pending free agent like, like Collins is, if, they, if you get the Wolves to trade for you and the Wolves trade for you, they're going to give you whatever you want. They will be over a barrel at that point in time. And also, while defensively, Collins and Carl Anthony Towns are not the greatest fit in the world, offensively, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so pros and cons there. But that was a one-source trade report, not a, a super mainstream source, but that was out there. Uh, people ask me after seeing that report from Shams about you know what, what the Wolves could trade. It's pretty tough. Actually, to see a Wolves trade with the Hawks, and I'll tell you why. Um, I can't see Minnesota trading Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick, right after they drafted him. That would surprise me. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'd be pretty surprised if they were to trade him um this quickly for John Collins. Um, also, I can't see Towns being in the deal because they're trying to pair Collins with Towns, and Towns is still their franchise player. Um, they draft, you know, their their, their lottery pick last year, Jarrett Culver, his value is at an all-time low right now. I still kind of believe, but not in a way in which I'd be trying to trade John Collins for him. I think it's very fair to be worried about Jarrett Culver at this point, even as someone who liked him a lot in the draft. Um, That's not going very well. So, you know, purely value-wise, his value is at an all-time low. So I can't see him being the centerpiece of a John Collins trade. Uh, Malik Beasley has been good. Um, Is not, like, super overpaid, but he is a one-position player at shooting guard. And it's not really better than like Bogdanovich, for instance. Um, I know he's a local product, but he has a suspension right now as well, some off-court stuff. I can't see that being a centerpiece for the Hawks. And also, this is probably the biggest thing, Minnesota does not have their own pick this year. They are sending the pick top three protected to Golden State. So, um, a future-facing package for Minnesota, yeah, you could get their pick in the future potentially, but right now, their best asset that is tradable, um, it's not a better asset than Towns or maybe even Edwards, but their pick right now is an awesome pick, but it's going to go, at least not, it might go to Golden State. If it doesn't, they're going to keep it. So it's one of those things where uh, it's hard to see a deal. I'm not saying it's impossible with Minnesota, but you're, gonna, you're definitely going to hear this. I've been saying it for a while now. You're going to get a bunch of Collins, you know, semi-rumors, not even full-blown rumors, but just like teams interested in John Collins uh, is not going to stop between now and the deadline. So be ready for that, but nothing else crazy here, and we'll leave it there for now. Okay, that's all the news that I can see anyway. As I'm recording this on, on Sunday, and Sunday evening into Monday. So if there's any more, we'll pop up later on in the week, and we'll touch on it before the game and the Hawks come back, on, sort of into action on Thursday. So, all that said, we have Brian Shorter coming up with part one of part of a two part conversation. I should say on the NBA draft. This first part is about some potential Hawks targets in like the late lottery, mid first round range, also some second round sleepers, that kind of stuff. And then part two is more of the top five, six guys in the class. So. Stay tuned. After this break, we will hear from Brian. But first, a word from our sponsors and our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. While football may be over, the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. They have soccer. They have hockey. They have tennis. They have auto racing. Anything your heart desires, you can bet on it at BetOnline.ag. And In fact, they have awards, TV shows, and reality TV on top of that. And of course, March Madness is coming. That's something you definitely want to circle on your sporting calendar. But online.ag has everything that you need to check in on all of the action. They have real-time updated odds and props on anything that you want. And they also have you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website right now, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. That is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. One more time, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. I am joined now by a friend of the podcast. He's been on the show many times before Talk about the NBA draft, and we're uh, it's time to do another NBA draft check-in. So Brian Schroeder is here. Hello, sir.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm great. It's the All-Star break. Uh, we're recording this on Friday night, actually, but it'll, it'll probably go up next week at some point. And uh, it's just been too long. I think I've done like one or two draft podcasts in this cycle so far. And, uh, you know, it's, it's weird because the Hawks are more competitive they're trying to make the playoffs so i can't just be full drafting all the time that'll, that'll come mm-hmm. at some point but it was time for a check-in so i appreciate you doing this
1: it's also weird because the last draft was what five months ago and the next draft is sometime we probably, don't know
0: probably four months from now something like that yeah so. it's, it's a
1: weird like the, we don't really know because usually around this time is when people start finishing kind of like finalizing stuff because you're not supposed to let the tournament really sway you really hard unless you know unless a guy just goes nuts but now it's like when's the draft like i don't i don't know it's probably like july
0: maybe sounds
1: like july but yeah i'm not really sure it's kind of hard to say so this is a very um it's in a lot of ways it's weirder than last than last year's because last year's it just kind of stopped but we we basically been done and now it's like i don't know (laughs) what's the schedule going we don't know yeah, it,
0: it is very weird. You know, last year we also, you know, by the time it was, by the time it was over, we were all done with that class and very, very tired of talking about it. But, you know, I also, there's some, there's some safety or however you want to say that. Uh, we were all so well versed in that class that it, it became comical at some point, like we, we covered the same guys and talked about the same guys for so long whereas this year i will i will openly admit and i have on this podcast already but i'll say it again now just at the top here i am behind on this class i have not watched enough of these guys i've watched some i know more than a lot of people would but you are uh in this space a lot more than i am so you're gonna be informing me as well
1: uh, if you say so
0: i believe I'm... trust me i I know, I know this to be true i uh this season's been a whirlwind for the hawks it's been a whirlwind in life the games <laughs> are closer together uh and i have some stuff to catch up on but here we are it's a good time um well i guess the thing we'll start with here and we'll save the top top guys for the end because that's uh, always the uh, sweet spot we we will talk about kate at some point i promise everybody's listening it's coming at some point um i want to start here outside of the top 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 guys i want to ask you like do you have quote unquote your guys already like who are you lower on who are you higher on like when compared to mainstream or however you want to put that i'm sure you know guys that you Higher on and lower on, so let's just start there. Uh, throw out some names of guys that you either have great affection for because I know you always find in a few guys that you love or guys that you uh, are much lower on because I- I've already seen so, your list to some degree, so yeah. I know a couple of these guys are. But
1: so when you tell me the top top guys, I would usually take that to mean the first two tiers, but I haven't really broken that up yet. So I'm really going to say Sharif. I'm going to start with Sharif. I love him. Uh, I. Not 100 percent sure what he is in the NBA, but I, he is my favorite player to watch in this class by a huge margin. Atlanta zone, and and I, I really just enjoy the way he plays basketball. His problem, of course, is that he's. I think he is six foot in shoes, like I say maybe six one. I think he measured it six one in shoes a couple of years ago, so he's not like Isaiah Thomas size, but he's very small. He's not a he shoots. Uh, a set shot almost like he's not a pull-up shooter in any way what he is is an advantage creator and he's incredibly good at it he's the second he's if he doesn't play again because he's been out he hurt his ankle in practice a couple weeks ago and he hasn't played if he doesn't play again he will become the second college basketball player of the last since 2008 to have a 50 assist percentage and a 50 free throw rate and the other one is john morant And, (laughs) and like Sharif is almost more impressive because he was doing it in the SEC, coming into the, like into the middle of the season. He he didn't start playing until late December. He's played twelve games and they were all SEC games, <clears throat> and he put up twenty two and nine assists per per thirty six. Can't shoot, but he's a good foul shooter, so like he should eventually shoot. It's weird. Sharif is just beats everyone off the dribble, gets into the paint, and is an incredible passer. Like. I think a better passer than anyone last year, just like with the, the the touch he has on passes and like a more versatile passer, I guess. Cause the kind of, this is still a problem with him. I I don't know if it's a problem. It's still look um, an oddity with his game. He kind of monopolizes passes. Like he, he does a Derek Rose thing where sometimes he waits until he's sure he's going to get an assist where Sharif just goes for it. Sharif throws lobs from 40 feet out. He's an incredible lob, lob thrower. Uh, I mean, he, he's you know the, the Trey thing is was a was a comp that was kind of just like stylistic, and he's a little bit like that where he's plays under the rim and just kind of like isn't the fastest looking guy in the world, but just kind of gets past people, manipulates defenses, pulls guys over, but he has so much more, such a smaller margin of error because he can't shoot, and Trey's you know Trey's a very good shooter by any stretch, so he's a. Sharif is tiny and awesome and I really hope he's able to work in the NBA and also that my cat stops meowing
0: <laughs> yeah no uh Cooper's really interesting because you know this I mean you, you can find people that think he's just like that they're just out entirely um just because I don't know if it's the size or the shooting or whatever you want to say it is I've seen people that have had him a lot lower and I I like him um I have my guard up a little bit because and i think you would note this too like it's there's not a whole lot of success for guys at his size with that with shooting questions that's that's a, that's a tough one um but if he if he makes enough kind shots of U.S. comes to mind yeah i mean if, if he makes enough shots then that would be helpful but i think you probably agree but i, I guess i want to ask you is there a way he can return you know lottery pick value without shooting because that's that's i can't that's probably hard not
1: no probably not but the, i think the thing is uh like he takes... I mean, he's shooting tw- 24% from three after starting the season, like, one for 22. Like, he was terrible. And, like, he has a floater game, and he, he's an 85% foul shooter who gets to the line all the time. There's no other reason to think he won't... Like, I don't know. His form is so bad that it seems almost impossible that he couldn't work with an NBA team for a couple of years and become something of a shooter. But, yeah, he kind of, like, if he wanted to be a starter, he has to be, like... An average shooter, at least, like it's it's almost impossible. But I think he could. He's very much the kind of guy. Like it's the weird, like Zion would never had to shoot before in his life because why would he ever have to? And like Sharif is in the same boat, despite being so small, because there's no high school basketball player on earth that could guard him. Like no, he he's turning guys and he's turning guys, all ACC defenders into dust. Like even like the Kentucky game, he shot the one the last Kentucky game, he got blocked five or six times by Isaiah Jackson at the rim. But also he was taking B.J. Boston and, and like Keon Brooks and all these six, eight guys and mints and just dusting them, like getting right to the rim. He just got couldn't finish and also has the uh, he had that Missouri game where he shot, I think, 18 free throws. And like since then, SEC refs have been determined to not give him calls, even when he deserves <laughs> them. Like he gets pummeled. And and part of that's going to happen, like a like small guy who doesn't go above the rim. You're going to get hit. It's going to be contact. But like he was getting like elbow dropped by guys and he's not getting calls so like he has he has the two things you want i want from a point guard it's the whole reason i was in on devon Dotson. he get he creates advantages off the dribble and when he creates those advantages he do, he makes the right choice almost every time so like yeah it, i mean it's probably ideally you'd probably want to take him in like the teens to 20s and just kind of take a swing especially if you don't have a guard like, if the Knicks get back there and they don't still don't have like a, I don't think they have a lead guy. Quickly's become a good player, but I think Quickly is just going to be used as like a Clarkson kind of role, ideally, or even like Colin Sexton role. Yeah. Where like he's not running your offense all the time. He's just a scorer who can do that sometimes. And like, yeah, Sheree, like the Bulls could really use him. Uh, basically, anyone who doesn't have the guy, you know, like, Trey is the guy for the Hawks. Luka's the guy. Even like, even honestly, like the Clippers don't have, like Kawhi has the ball all the time, but Kawhi's never been good at that stuff. He just, it works out because he's Kawhi. I don't know. Sharif is a weird guy to fit. I think he's my favorite, like just aesthetically my favorite player in the draft though. And I, I really hope he works out.
0: Yeah. I, I like him too. And he's just, he's a really fascinating evaluation. And I hope he, I hope he plays again. If he, if he doesn't, it's going to be even weirder. Like you said, like the sample size is not, huge the numbers are all these outliers the size is kind of an outlier in terms of on the small end and he's uh going to be controversial i'll say there's going to be a split on him and i think that makes sense you can see the positives you can see the negatives i mean the the comparison that i have heard and i think it makes a little bit of sense to me if it doesn't work like at the very very high end level but actually works a little bit is like ishmith is that, I is mean, it's
1: just, it's just fast though. It has like no craft. even no,
0: I'm I, I, I more just say like, ro- like roll an outcome, like small guard, like Ishmael's been a solid NBA player for a long time. He's never going to be a starter that you want. Um, And I agree. I, I I like Cooper better than that, but I'm just thinking like, what's it look like if he doesn't really shoot, but everything else translates enough. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what that like, He looks like is. Sharif
1: Cooper. That's, that's kind of so. why yeah. I like him. Yeah
0: that makes sense that's something that you would like uh you are Mm -hmm. into guys who are who are weird which i understand he's a one Um, of one he is very interesting um go uh let's go a little bit lower quickly i want to make sure we i I get a, a guy or two that you have like as a late first that maybe maybe off the radar do you have a guy like that that's like you look at it, it's like like a like a big board somewhere else, and they're in the fifties or sixties, and, and you have them in the first round. Is there is there a guy? Oh, he's not a
1: late first, but Benedict Matherin should be a lottery player. By for a- Arizona, everyone. right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've seen him play like don't twice. Know why. He was I don't like know a, why he's hot. Uh, so RSC, RSCI wise. Was he like a, he was not a big recruit at all? Was he?
1: No, he's from the. Um, he'd be the first guy drafted from the NBA academy, so he was kind of like an unknown, not unknown, but the, where he played, the production is you don't really know how to translate that so he was sort of just a throw-in guy for arizona or like uh this guy stays a couple years and can develop because he's a good athlete and he's been he's had games you know he'll have a over five game or one for eight game but that's more because arizona has like they're weird because they're not an elite team but they have i think they've had four different players score 25 or more in a game which that's the most in the country because jamal baker did that a few couple times to Bayless did that, and then um, James Akinjo. James Akinjo is like the guy right now. And then Matherin has a thirty-one point game this year, but Matherin is uh, doesn't turn nineteen until after the draft, even if the draft's in July. I think he turns nineteen in August or September, and is six foot five, six foot six, and is shooting forty-three percent from 85 percent from the line, and seventy percent at the rim, and like he's shooting like like Devin Booker level shot making, and he's like a really good athlete who's good at defense. Like there's almost no reason he's not a good NBA player and he's young. And uh, it's just because he's not, he's not a shoe circuit guy. He's not getting these, Yeah, he'll have a bunch of like six point games, but then he'll have like a 24 point game. And so he's not like consistent yet, but like, he feels like Patrick Williams. The second time I mentioned him, but Patrick Williams did the same thing last year where he just kind of played pretty well. And if you had to look at his, but it wasn't like a standout guy on a good team. You had to look at his peripherals and the fact that he's incredibly young to really understand what he is. Now maybe Matherin's not going to uh, light the workout circuit on fire over the summer, but I, I don't know why he's not. Uh, not having him first round is crazy to me.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I've heard good things obvious as well. NBA skills. Yeah. The, the skill, I was going to say the skill set seems to be pretty intriguing there. And what six, 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 seven long arms. Like, you know, you can see why that's appealing. He's probably um, six, five, but yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not as exciting, but it's one of those things where as long as he translates in the way that it's possible, it won't matter. Um, Oh, I was going to ask you this and it's a good time to do it. Um, I know you, at one point I think you were on this guy and I just watched him play twice in this, this week. Uh, What's up with Trey Jackson Davis at this point? Are, are people out on him yet?
1: He hasn't. He hasn't started shooting. He hasn't he's started so, shooting he's jumpers, such so. a weird
0: player in every way, and I, I agree. Yeah, with you. he has to shoot, but if he doesn't shoot, then I agree with you. I, I was just curious because I know you I'm used to point you, what, I to I, what you I, were I was, in, but I, yeah,
1: uh, I thought he was start shooting because he had he just doesn't he doesn't take jumpers, and like I'm a big I'm a fan of his, but there's only so good a 6'9", 230 guy can be who's not like a super athlete who just gets rebounds and putbacks. and? I mean, he's basically he's basically, he's
0: basically been playing center all season. He is um, center, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's – and, and at, at that size, yeah. there's a small ball center there probably as like a backup guy, but he's not going to yeah, be but, a starter if he's not going to be able to shoot. That's, 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 yeah, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, you got to
1: shoot. You got to shoot. Um, I don't know. He's a productive – he's a good, productive college player, but he's not – I mean, I think he'll be in the NBA. I think he's going to be a pro. Yeah, I agree. Um. He's a little old too for a sophomore. I think that's more part of the trajectory. It looked like it was heading up after last season. Then it's just kind of—he's been the same player. He's been a good player, but he's not. I mean, I, I don't want to curse him with the Garza thing, but it's like, yeah, Garza's a good player too. But what's he supposed to get better at?
0: Yeah. I guess
1: why? So. Why are you Why are you drafting him high? See, I, I'm going to have Trace. He should be drafted. I'm going to have him in that group, but I just. He's becoming more of a kind of just a guy now. He yeah. hasn't improved notably in anything.
0: That makes sense. Um, I'm going to actually make a couple guys in, individually and then give you another chance to throw out a couple guys that you, that you love. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. For a long time now, I've been telling you about Built Bar, and Built Bar is amazing. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market, bar none. And Built Bar is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. It tastes fantastic, and it's a protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup in the Built Bar bracket for March is Apple Almond Crisp against Churro Puff. And honestly, I have many thoughts on this. I have. I've sort of become a connoisseur of all of these flavors in the past, and I'm a big fan of the Apple Almond Crisp. Now, that isn't to say that Churro Puff is not very good, because it is. But Apple Almond Crisp is my personal lean in this one, but you could certainly weigh in by going to BuiltBar.com or to at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code Locked On Twenty to get twenty percent off your next order. That is Locked On Twenty to get twenty percent off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar from Built Bar. One more time, that is Locked On Twenty to get twenty percent off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Brian. Um while we're in the Big Ten, I, I, I must I must ask you about Io Dasunmu because he m- is a top three or four National Player of the Year candidate. And those guys are always get talked about a lot. You mentioned Garza. But Dasunmu is a guy who I've seen in some first rounds, I've seen in some top 40s. Uh, but he was kind of in that similar range last year. And despite coming back and playing really well, it feels like he hasn't risen a lot. So that's a guy that I get asked about every once in a while, and I don't want really to have a great answer. What do you feel about Io at this point?
1: Has he got? Has he gotten better at dribbling? If not, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, like, again, again, he will play in the NBA. I think he will be a a quality player. But like, what he is now is a six four. Kind, he's not really a point. Like, he he has the ball in the clutch, and he's good at that. And like, you can count on him to play well. He's not like a stupid player, or, like a guy who can't have the ball in his hands. But on what NBA team is he going to be like the lead ball handler? And if if He has to have the ball so much to be effective. It's kind of just like, I don't want to call him this, but it's kind of like Moutier where it's like, what is he better at than every other guard on the NBA team? Like he was on even like the thunder. What is he better at than Shea? What is he better at than George Hill? So for what reason are you giving him the ball enough to make him worthwhile? Now he just, he'll still, that doesn't mean like you can have a role. Um, I mean, he could be like Reggie Jackson-ish kind of. That that's kind of the Reggie Jackson problem, though. Is like, if he has to have the ball enough to be good, you're not a good team. So like, I don't know. Io's is not a good, not a slick enough ball handler at the NBA level. He's a solid shooter. Like, he's an NBA player for sure. And I think taking him in the mid-second would be good value because he'd likely to play for you immediately. And any team that just needs an extra guard, like the Celtics, I'm sure would like to have him over over the corpse of Jeff Teague. Um,
0: oh come on shots fire you're I mean you're right you're right no, he's he's been awful he's man. he's, he's very done terrible I know. he's very he's very cooked I I, I just I just want to uh I want to at least push back um in in way. but you're you're absolutely right Jeff Jeff's but,
1: okay to, relating this to the Hawks is Io significantly better is he better at basketball right now than Brandon Goodwin um I, probably not so like, why are you? Why would you draft him top twenty if he's? Not you No, know, be... I certainly
0: would not. I mean, from I'm... what's
1: the path to him being a star? He has to have the ball a lot. And, like, yeah, I don't maybe see that. that happens. Maybe that happens. I'd be very surprised.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, like, i seen... cool. Like,
1: I like Io. Like, like, I'm. I want Illinois to be good, and he's the best college basketball player they've had in a long time. Like, he's cool. He seems like a fun guy to be around. Like, he'll make millions of dollars playing in the NBA, and he should be in the NBA. I'm just not taking him in the top twenty-five. I don't know why you would.
0: Yeah, he's a guy I've seen more than most because obviously I have to watch some college basketball and they've been really good this year and he's been around for multiple seasons so I've seen him play a lot and he yeah, he strikes me as more of a like a third guard type which is mm-hmm. fine I mean that's not there's, there's nothing wrong with that that would be an a role he can have for a long time but I wanted to ask because he's one of the more famous guys and you mentioned uh, Garza etc um this is a totally self-serving question and I will save my other one for later uh, Isaiah livers yes or no yes. Yes, is the right answer. <laughs> but like I, again,
1: I'm not I'm not gonna waste second a rounder. super high pick on yeah. Him. yeah like for sure. Uh, he's six seven and strong and can handle the wall and can shoot. Like there's no reason he's not an NBA player.
0: I I agree. Okay, I just want to get that out there. Um, two more guys I'm going to ask you about, and then I will open it back up to you. Uh, and they are the Kentucky guys who were supposed to be first rounders, one of which for sure. Mm-hmm. But BJ Boston, Terrence Clark. Uh, I, Clark, I
1: need to know what his injury thing was because his numbers were really bad but then he played like eight games yeah and he flashed some stuff where like the ball handling is pretty legit and like his defense was okay that was a big concern about him he just like can't he's not really a scorer. like he just doesn't can't get easy buckets so i don't really know what he is is he like a bench point guard is he like a justice linslow guy like i don't really know what he is
0: he's weird is what he is uh and that's a guy I was trying to, you know, he was on the radar so much. And I try before season starts to get into, um, I don't know. I try to get into the, like, guys who are f- famous and prominent high school prospects before the season starts, whenever I possibly can. And he was on that list. Not that everybody loved him necessarily, but he was on the list. Uh, and he just didn't. He was so weird to evaluate. He He's like,
1: next day. He's a, he, that's what he was. And, like, that's cool. But those guys get really popular before the season. That doesn't mean they're good. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't know what to make of them right now. I need more context.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. BJ Boston, it was supposed to be a top five guy coming into the coming into the cl- uh, class this year. It just It has not gone well. Uh, have you given up? Cause I, this is this conversation now that I've been hearing or seeing that on one hand, he's too talented to give up on. and On the other hand, uh, he was so bad that if he wasn't supposed to be a top five pick, no one would have him in the first round anymore. So like, where do you lay on that spectrum? Somewhere in the middle, or is it, uh, should, should he even come out? Like, where are we at with B.J. Boston?
1: I should him come out because he, he's 6'7". His problem is that he's not an advantage creator. Like, he doesn't get all the stuff he did. Somebody, this is, this is I'm, I'm cribbing this from a prep pro, but this was a great point, I think, that Jake may have made. I can't remember. It was a couple weeks ago on this, what I was shoveling. A mountain of snow. That? <laughs> um uh Brandon Boston is like the way he dribbles and the way he moves is super impressive. But when you look at him in high school, and this is something I fell for and people fall for all the time, There's a guy when a guy does like a five, six, seven dribble move and gets an open layup out of it, or like gets it or like does a cool flashy move, is that something they have to do, or is it something they're doing for fun? Because if there's something, if they're just like messing around and toying with people, then like they're just, you know, they're at a level of competition they're at is too low and like they're obviously talented. We didn't, I don't think people understood. I guess we didn't figure it out. BJ Boston had to do that in high school a lot of the time to get open shots and he can't do it against college defenders. So like the the idea of him was that he would be like your lead scorer and he he can't do it against guys in the SEC. He's not going to do it in the NBA. So the thing with Boston is that he's got to be, if he's not going to be able to be a lead scorer in the NBA, he's got to be off the catch. Like he's got to, he's got to just be like a secondary, tertiary guy who catches the ball, breaks breaks down a couple, maybe one defender, and like scores, or like a spot up guy. And that's just not, if you if you can't, I mean, that's the NBA now. If you can't break down defenses on your own, you're not a lead scorer. And so like, I'm not out. Because, like, he's still a good athlete. He's got a good – I mean, he's tall. He plays hard. He's not bad at defense. But the idea of him as, like, a super potential superstar, I think, is dead. And he should still leave, age so he can get out of there. Because that's just – Calipari seems to be self-destructing lately. And, and like, you just make millions of dollars. You'll you'll still make some money, and you can play in the NBA next year. He should, so he should leave. There's no reason yeah. to stay. No, he's I agree. Not, he's He's not going to gain 20 pounds, so –
0: and he'll also get picked if not in the first round in the top 40 and that that means guaranteed money and that means being in a place where you can hopefully develop and do all that stuff so yeah i agree um okay i'll be back up to you now for uh Anybody else that you want to that you want to throw out there that's kind of off the radar ish that's you know not a top not a top 10 guy but somebody that you really like. I know like I've seen you talk about Bones Highland. That's the guy I was going to ask you about. Like, that, yeah. That kind of
1: guy. Bones is getting some more. He's getting some more momentum as a top 25 guy. He should be because he's one of the best shooters at his age level that's ever played basketball. Um, and is an elite. Like, he's an incredible ball handler. He basically only is he's good at he's getting better at getting the rim. He basically is a ISO three-point shooter who gets a lot of steals that's basically all he does like he's not a ball He doesn't make passes at all, but he's so good at those things. I want to say this. He's shooting So Corey Kispert's like the elite shooter guy in the draft and Corey Kispert's really good I wouldn't take him in the top 10 or 12 because I wouldn't take a 23 year old that high it never works Like ask that's the Bulls. They took Doug McDermott up there and Doug McDermott's become a good player But like that was a bad pick. Yes, don't take don't take 23 year olds in the lottery Ask how the is the Knicks like Obi Toppin. I wonder if they if they would take that back. <clears throat> and he hasn't even been bad, but it's like it's a level yeah. the, all these guys have to develop. And if you're taking it that that old that high, by the time he becomes good, Brandon Clark was an exception to this because Brandon Clark had missed like two full seasons, so his his uh, his development curve was like really stunted and weird. But even then, as much as I like Brandon Clark, I would have taken Brandon Clark in the top five because it's like by the time he's good, he's going to be 27. You know. Um, but anyways, Kispert. <clears throat> Kispert is a is shooting 10.4 threes per 100 possessions. That's a lot. Let's look at some other guys who are like big volume shooters. James Booknight 9.1 per 100 possessions. Yeah. Franz Wagner 6.3. Mather in 8.2. Like Cades are in the sevens. Cooper Cooper's almost at eight. Moses Moody's almost at eight. Like these are high volume three point shooters. That's a lot of threes. Jerry Butler 11.8. Let me look at a couple more guys here before I get to the hilarious number. <clears throat> <laughs> Cam Thomas Cam Thomas is shooting 12, 12.3. That's a lot of threes. And he
0: is known he is known to be uh very a very gunner. Gunner. A yeah. gunner. yeah. Exactly.
1: Bones Highland is shooting 14.3 threes per 100 possessions.
0: That is a lot of threes.
1: And he is shooting almost 90% from the line on a two, 288 free throw rate which is fine enough. Yeah, he's basically at like it's like him and Steph, in the last 15 years of college basketball, are like 38% three-point shooters on that many shots. It's insane. Now I don't think he's going to be Steph, but like in this league, a guy who is willing to shoot and can shoot from anywhere, like he's you you have to you have to take a chance on I like that who's a good ball handler and like a, and a competent defender. Anything else you get, I mean, that's kind of gravy. I get into the low 20s and I need any kind of offense. I'm taking bones. Like, I don't see why he's he's not going to at least be like a Lou Williams type at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I like him from what I've seen. Uh, You know, he's interesting for sure. Who else was going to ask you? Oh, (laughs) this is uh, an interesting one. But Greg Greg Brown, we talked about before we started recording. I'm going to ask you about him now because Greg Brown is a guy who I have seen in people's top like eight or ten. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen people that have him like in the fifties and uh, I can kind of see both sides. <laughs> he's yeah. a great, he's a great athlete, but he's not particularly good at basketball right now. Uh, obviously he has his, uh, his Texas teammate, Kai Jones is getting a lot of attention. Um, and I think Kai Jones is above him for a lot of people now, which makes sense to me anyway. But yeah. What do you make of Greg Brown? Cause he's still pretty famous for his dunks and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's an awesome dunker. Um, the shooting is, is more like he's above 30% from three and like, as a decent enough foul shooter. Like, I think he can shoot. He has a really high degree. He takes a lot of tough shots, which that's how he plays. That's kind of why I was low on him for a long time. I was still fairly low on him. The real question with Greg Brown is, I mean, again, he's a power forward center type who's a 51 true shooting for his college career. That's, that's bad. Yeah. That's, that's not good.
0: Well, what about this thing he... where he's playing the three? Like people think he's like a three. I've, I've, heard, a I've seen this before. He's gotta like, be a four. I, no, I agree with you. I've seen him play enough to realize there's no way he's playing the three, but there's this notion out there that he is still kind of capable of being a three. And I'm because like, he's I, a I good athlete.
1: He you know, he's thin. That's also the thing. People still do this. That's why I was told Jackson Hayes was a three at one point. Like, no, come on. Um, <laughs> Jackson, real...
0: Jackson, Jackson Hayes is like a five. It's like a five and a half at this point.
1: Yeah. He's like a six. Yeah. Um, Uh, that's why he's not playing as much because he has like no perimeter skill as a point player. Yeah. Um, um, my real concern with GB three, and if this is a concern both like aesthetically and also his future industry prospect. And I've had people much smarter than me who've looked at this for years now. I've, I've been hearing this about him for a couple of years. Uh, one of his legs is longer than the other leg, and so like he's gonna hurt his knee. <laughs> There's no, way. he's gonna have knee problems. Like it's almost impossible not to with that kind of condition. And it's got to come up in, in physicals that NBA teams don't know about already, which I think is interesting. And that's not like – it's like he was an elite prospect to me. That would just be like got kind of a worry. But the fact that I'm already like – I mean, he's a, one of the least passers I've ever seen play basketball. Like he doesn't pass at all. He always tries to shoot terrible shots. So it's like – it's a little bit like the Jade McDaniels thing for me, although Jade McDaniels thankfully has – Somebody sat down and told him he's not Kevin Durant, so he stopped taking those shots and said just plays defense, and he's awesome at it. And, like, it looks like he'll be really good, so I feel better about him. But, yeah, GB3 is – is I guess the same grace is he's a really good rebounder because he's just such a crazy vertical athlete. So, like, I, I understand entirely him first round. Anyone in the top 50 makes sense to me, but this idea of him is, like, a he's just not the kind of guy I'm going to go for in the top – like, the top 12, the to 15 – he just doesn't have a skill he has a really low skill for uh
0: despite some good ball handling
1: yeah like i don't know he says flashes but i'm I'm not convinced at all of that
0: no i believe you and honestly this is i want to throw the stat out you mentioned his uh his lack of passing uh greg brown in 22 games has six assists and 48 turnovers
1: and that's better he was uh he was at one assist for like the first 15 games so
0: brian it's i'm going to tell you just as a as a matter of as a matter of not even a, not even not even an opinion this is this is more a fact if your assist turnover ratio is one to eight that's that's not what you want
1: that's uh i'm running numbers right now and it doesn't it says it's bad that is not so. what you want
0: um <laughs> okay uh <laughs> last guy on that i think i'm gonna ask you about maybe i'll, I'll give you one, one one more after this but last guy for sh- definitely on this on this first part one uh this is this is definitely self-serving but it's also appropriate uh franz wagner is uh is playing very very well for michigan this season yes Uh, i'm not just saying this because i'm a michigan guy he is objectively a top 20 guy in this draft i think uh Mm -hmm. and um because this is a good transition point to the rest of our podcast time together the atlanta hawks are going to be picking somewhere in the nine to 17 range most likely uh should they consider someone like Franz Wagner in that? And that's my, that's my way around of just saying, is he a top 17 guy? Something
1: like that. Yeah. I think, I think any team should consider a six, nine guy. Who's good at lots of things. Um, I don't know if the fit, I mean, it's, it's weird. Cause the, the Hawks are still in asset accumulation, but it's like, they don't need a point guard. I mean, they need a, they, they still, I, you know, that's done really cement themselves. They still like need another guard, but they don't need to take a like a first. Well, round. yeah.
0: This, this is the first time, uh, that we, on this podcast on this, this year. But the Hawks are once again, as they were last year, going to be an interesting team to talk about because, like you just referenced, they pretty much cannot draft a small point guard if nothing else, yeah, in, in the first round. And then they also pretty much can't draft a center because they just took one and they had the Capella. So, those two positions and they still
1: have John Collins for now.
0: Yeah, I mean so and Collins they think of as more of a four, but still like those two positions they almost can't take in the first round. <clears throat> so that kind of eliminates some possibilities for you. Like first I would like, also should...
1: say they don't need they don't need like I wouldn't say that they're desperate for wings either, because like no. I no, I still feel like if Hunter's able to play again at the same route, he'll be he's good. That's the Herter thing about the Hawks fine. in general, is that
0: they don't they don't have like a <sighs> giant weakness in terms of position, they have guys everywhere that you would be interested in. Mm-hmm. But there are also some like flat out cross offs. Like for example, Sharif Cooper is a cross off for the Hawks. They cannot yeah, take. Him. Um, yeah, that, That's just one example of a guy who they just absolutely cannot even consider taking. Um, and there's a couple of those maybe. But anyway, uh,
1: Franz is. Good. I would say I would say um, Garuba is probably a cross off for them. Like they just don't need that guy. And then like any of the centers. Any, Isaiah like, Jackson. Yeah, I mean Isaiah Jackson is kind of a weird. He's he, like he's a weird player. <laughs> He's a great player because, like, if 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 he was around like eighteen or nineteen, I would just swing on him just because it's like, if he becomes really good, then you can just kind of move on from the other guys. But
0: I I guess it, I guess, and we'll talk about yeah. him in a second. I guess if if the Hawks missed the playoffs and got really lucky in the lottery, they could take Evan Mobley, but it wouldn't be a natural a supernatural. <laughs> I, Mobley,
1: Mobley's too good to he transcends that.
0: That's what I mean. You you kind of yeah. have to take a guy because he's that good at the, at a certain point. We'll talk about him later, but um, yeah, it's just I want to make that point real quickly that. Once again, the Hawks are going to be in this spot where ideally you would take someone in that two through four range positionally, uh, which is a lot of guys in this class, to be fair. There's most of that. A lot of this range, honestly, is guys like that. But um, interesting kind of. I, I wasn't trying to just ask that about um, about Franz because he's Franz. But Franz is a guy who's really actually interesting to, for me to talk about in general, because he's a, a sort of a. I don't want to say Jack of trades, master of none, because that's probably overstating it, but he just does a lot of things well and nothing like incredibly well. Yeah. So
1: he's a, I think the, I think the shot will become very good at some point. But
0: it's already flashing lately. He's shot the ball a lot better <laughs> in, in Big Ten play. He's also a legitimate six nine. I think yeah, he's huge.
1: He might be six ten. He's huge. Yeah, which I is. mean, he's he's thirty nine percent from three right now, and he's eighty four percent from the line. So he's I think he's a fairly elite shooter. For that size. And a good and a good defender. Like yeah, very good defender.
0: That's pretty good. Pretty good thing, Pretty good things to have, sort of start. He with will switch. The first like
1: game. I think he will be a much better player than Mo in the NBA because he has more positionality, but. Yeah. I I don't really know. He's kind of weird because he's not like the most ex- he he just is obviously good. So it's like, yeah, he's probably top twenty. Um and I think he will be one of the guys next year who's like one of the good rookies. Where yes. however it, people that ends up being. But yeah, I don't know. Franz is interesting to talk about because he's kinda hard to there's there's no there's no real high points of excitement to talk about with him, but there's nothing about him that doesn't look there's nothing really to criticize it's just like how much value do you put in in a guy who looks like an eighth man for sure
0: yeah i I, this is it's not a good comp um but it's kind of the denny thing from last year yeah because they're similar sized and they're not they're their weaknesses and strengths are different for sure but it's more of that like well-rounded but how much upside do you have six nine forwards that you know, don't have number one traits. They have good traits in some ways, but not elite. But the difference is that Danny was supposed to be a top six, seven pick for some people, and Franz is more like a top twenty guy. So it's easier, it's easier at seventeen to take take that guy than it would be at.
1: For the comparison, time. the comparison for if him and Scotty Barnes is like Scotty Barnes has freakish physical, like measurables, is like kind of a mediocre athlete, but is is a six nine guy who's averaging almost seven assists per thirty six, but also cannot like physically cannot shoot so it's like i the the edges on scotty barnes are a lot rougher and it's like maybe you can refine those and he becomes like a low level star or he just becomes like kyle anderson which is still a valuable player well i was gonna ask
0: you about scotty barnes because he's a guy i like a lot but i guess the question is can he shoot and that's that's it's sort of unanswerable but if you can't shoot it's tough
1: yeah um but those guys are in similar ranges for me even though franz is like a flat like he, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be good, and Scotty Barnes, it's like I don't know, maybe. But I it, it, that really is like what kind of I imagine the Hawks would take would take Franz in that situation because Franz could shoot. But um, yeah, that's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough it's tough to like Roko Roko Pekachin is another guy who's like that size and has skills. Kessler Edwards is that size and has skills, although Kessler's older. So yeah. I'm a little I'm a little I'm a little bullish on his ceiling, but like is an nba player for sure Zaire williams could, be, could fall down that way because he is apparently his body doesn't work anymore He he's uh, hurting himself he i'm can't. gonna
0: ask you about uh, a, bunch, a bunch of these guys actually in this range yeah, yeah. Um, there's a
1: bunch of there's a bunch of guys that size and like franz is probably the highest of them right now because he just seems the safest seems
0: yeah like safe is work. uh safe is often often seen as a bad word in the nba draft and i don't think that's necessarily the case i think there's some value to that could be under- when you get to
1: the team when you get out of the lottery nothing wrong with it but I mean, yeah. that's why desmond bain should have gone much higher
0: he should have gone much higher that's for sure
1: obviously uh, he was going to be a good a useful player
0: <laughs> agreed he's, he's already good okay there's, there's no one well, else
1: on that team who also hit that bill
0: oh uh, well there you go
1: there's no um, there's no one else currently on the grizzlies who was also an obvious good nba player who got who got underdrafted
0: i can't imagine who you're talking about i have no idea perhaps uh perhaps an older gentleman that used to play at san Jose state at one point was uh
1: Oh, well, no, no, I, I mean the other one. I mean,
0: oh, yeah, the other one. Too. <laughs> There's like 10 I of these guys,
1: the old, your the old, the old big 10 foe, Ziggur Tillman.
0: Oh, yeah, God, I mean, God Almighty, I have no idea why he fell so far and said as much. Um, but hey, the Grizzlies stay the Grizzlies, Draft Twitter's own Memphis Grizzlies. Um, okay, let's wrap this up now for part one. Stay tuned for part two when Brian and I are gonna get in again to most of the lottery guys, if not all of them, uh, as well as, of course, the very, very top guys. So, uh, subscribe. Check out Brian's stuff and come right back as part two will be in your feeds very shortly. So stay tuned for that.